He said, no, no, I, I don't need this. I'm happy where I am. I'm happy without all of this stuff. I don't need all this community. And so leave me alone, basically. And, you know, it's, it's, it was really difficult because I wanted to respect his own space and his own decisions. But yet I felt, well, gee, you know, married couples do go out with friends and it, it's just something you do. And so, um, yeah, it was difficult for me. I did a lot of praying. Welcome to the Ron Huntley Leadership Podcast, helping leaders be a positive catalyst on the people they support, the organizations they serve, and the communities they live. This podcast will make you think, laugh, and grit your teeth with new determination to make your parish or business a place of transformation, passion, and purpose. If you're still breathing, you are powered for impact. Welcome back, my friends. A few weeks ago, I was at the Alpha USA conference, and it was amazing. Craig Springer and his team put on a great conference. One of the churches that I work with brought 21 people. We had so much fun. The next conference I have on my list of things to look forward to is the DRUSA conference in Texas in July. I know, a bunch of Canadians in Texas in July. We are going to melt, but it is a conference I wouldn't want to miss, and I don't think you will either. Bring as many people as you can from your parish and get your tickets before they sell out. I hope to see you there. One of the images that breaks my heart on any given Sunday is seeing a family at church knowing that one of the spouses never comes. If that's your story, I believe today's episode will give you hope. This is one Catholic woman's story of ambition, loss, love, frustration, and a great big miracle. Enjoy the conversation. Lift off and the clock has started. Just over a year ago, Dan Baylog was my guest. In fact, that has been the most listened to podcast of the entire year. Well, today we're going to get to hear the other part of the story. Laura Baylog is our guest today. She's the Faith Formation Director at her parish in New Jersey, a church that I had the privilege of coaching. Probably the second wave of churches that came into the coaching network, they were a part of that. And uh, Laura came on later on in that coaching experience. It was just a pleasure to get to know her. So, Laura, I just want to welcome you to the show today. Good to see you. Nice to see you too, Ron. Such a pleasure to be here. I really appreciate the invitation. (laughs) I think our conversation is going to be a lot of fun. Maybe share with our listeners and it'd be fun to learn, like, what was life growing up for you? How how big a role did faith play in your home? Well, um, I grew up here in New Jersey and born in Newark. (laughs) And I went to Catholic school most of my childhood. I'm an only child and my parents weren't particularly devout. Um, I went to parochial school mainly so that I lived in a rough neighborhood and the wrong side of the tracks. And I I think my parents just wanted to make sure that I received a good education. And and at the time in the seventies, that was in parochial school. So it wasn't because they were so religious. Sure. I was taught by Sisters of Charity. The main person in my life at the time who really made a huge impression on me was my Irish grandma. Oh, go away. Yeah. Yeah. She, she taught me to pray. She was the gentlest person that I have ever met. Uh, she died when I was 11, but you know, I always think about her mm. because she was very saint-like. 
So it made a huge impression. Um, but other than that, you know, I, I always believed in God. Mm-hmm. I always had faith. I, I really don't think I ever doubted. But, you know, I fell away at various times in my life. At what point was your first fall off, if I may be so bold to ask? You know, you say I kind of drifted away at different points. Like what, what, what caused that and, and or what season of life would that have been for you? Because it's not uncommon. Well, like most kids, I fell away when I went to college mm. and I moved out of my parents' home. It just wasn't something, you know, I, I moved out of the area, not too far away, but I, I didn't bother to find another church. It wasn't something that my parents were, were pushing because they weren't going on a regular basis at that point. Mm. So I, I kind, of was, kind of was out of sight, out of mind. It wasn't something that I thought I really had to do. It wasn't thought, something I thought was really important. It, I, I had another focus and it was my studies when I was in college. I, I worked two jobs to, you know, for to pay the tuition. I, I didn't get yeah. a, you know, a big loan. Um, I just went to a state college. So I just paid everything. It really wasn't time. I, it just wasn't, I wasn't bitter against the church. It wasn't a particular reason. Mm. It wasn't priority in my life at the time, but I always had faith, always, right. you know, believed. So it, it, um, I thought I knew what I wanted and it was, you know, get a job, have a nice career, earn a lot of money, yeah. move to a good area, have all these things. And, you know, religion didn't play a huge role in my life. Hmm. Yeah, you weren't against it. And, you know, when I take a look at our Canadian statistics, that's probably even worse than this now. I know it was worse than this in our area in Halifax, but, you know, 90% of Canadians believe in God, 10% of people are active in their faith. And I think probably of that 80% who don't participate, probably a large chunk of them were just like you. They weren't against the church. They weren't bitter. They just just didn't necessarily add a lot. They have other priorities, focus. And and so it just becomes something they no longer do more so than something they are rallying against. Not that, yeah. Do you think that too? Do you think that's probably the case? I think so. I definitely think so. I mean, the world is so secular now. Mm. And I think even more so than when I was a child, there are so many more demands. You know, you have to have your child or you feel you have to have your child build up this CV of all these clubs and you know, band and theater and sports where, where it wasn't as much of a priority. I mean, I have my friends and right. activities, but it's like so structured now. Yeah. For teens and children, younger it's children. Tr- it's true, isn't it? And it's a, you know, being in parish leadership, like the faith formation director, the work that I was doing at St. Benedict and other parishes, it's, you know, that's what we're rallying against, isn't it? Or, or trying to engage people in a way that they won't fall away. In fact, one of the podcasts that I did just towards the end of 2021 was with Dr. Jennifer Nolan, who's literally starting a Catholic university for STEM professions that's unbelievably focused on faith because she too fell away in university and she's concerned for her kids. And so it's interesting how, how we're going to adapt and evolve because it always breaks people's hearts. And, you know, cause I think sometimes people will drift away very innocently, but that can turn into 
not ever coming back and, and then even developing positions and perspectives that are, 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 we can lose our faith. Like we can, Very it's true. not uncommon. Yeah. So what brought you back? So you drifted away in university. Well, um, I met and married Dan, um, met him in 1989 on a, it's funny, uh, for a personal ad. <laughs> oh, nice. Yeah, it back before really online was. dating, right? Yeah, it was in the newspaper. It was in a local paper. So we we met at the time I was working um, in the corporate world at the time, Horizon Blue Cross Blue Shield of New Jersey. Um, I thought I knew what I wanted, you know, rise up the corporate ladder. And when we decided that we wanted to make a commitment and get married, it didn't bother me that he wasn't into getting married in the church, you know, going to pre-Cana. Because, you know, I wasn't, it wasn't something where I could say, hey, I'm going to church. I've got, you know, a a faith that I'm following. So it didn't bother me at the time. We got married in 93. It was only a few years later, you know, when I started getting a little bit older and my parents were getting older. They got sick one by one. They Mm -hmm. passed away. So as this happened, I started seeing how, okay. Life is, you know, I'm seeing my path, you know, I don't have years and years ad infinitum. I mean, I I, I just started thinking, is that all there is? And really, I I started questioning myself. I I felt Hmm. something was missing. So at the time, I decided to return to church. And I started going to a church in my town here in Madison, New Jersey. And I became very involved. I became a lector, an extraordinary minister of the Eucharist, uh, social justice committee, pastoral council. So it's like I, I just, you know, when I get involved in something, I get very involved. So, you know, that was a process as time went on because there is a very, um, you know, charismatic pastor there. So he just drew, draws people in. He has a way of extending the invitation. Um, to people to really help them grow in stewardship. So I felt very engaged and psyched and everything, but, you know, I just didn't know I was going to seek the church as a profession at the time. No, of course. And so that's kind of neat. So you, your, your personality, it sounds like is one that's such when you do decide to do something, you'll, you'll make the most out of it. And that was accentuated by a priest who is really good at seeing gifts and people and drawing it, drawing them to something to use those gifts to build the church. It sounded like that was part, those two things sound like went hand in hand. And isn't that a, a, a every pastor's dream to be able to, to bring people like yourself your, not only your faith alive, but then have you actively engaged in ways that are being a blessing to the mission of the church. And so that's kind of cool. What was that like? What was that doing for Dan? Like that must have been like, how did that impact your relationship? What was his perspective on that? Like, cause he was like in his podcast, he talked about being a devout atheist. So. Yes. <laughs> well, at the time yeah, I was forming friendships and relationships with people. And they asked me to go to dinner, you know, to various different social events, to mass, to the parish picnic, et cetera. And I I was asking Dan to go with me, you know, let's go to mass. It's wonderful. You can give it a try, you know, to come to this dinner and meet the the church organist and, you know, her, her husband. And it's like, no, (laughs) it's like, I, I am not, 
I'm not into this. This is your thing. I, I'm not interested. And it was very difficult because I, I so wanted to share this experience with him. It was wonderful. I, I felt like I found a second family at this church. It was so welcoming and warm. And you know, I didn't, like I said, I'm an only child. So, and, and that being that my parents, that, that's all I had, really. I didn't have any, you know, real blood aunts or uncles because my mom was an only child. You know, having that community was very, is very important to me. Oh, beautiful. That makes sense. I can see. And so that longing that you had when you were saying, as your parents get sick and pass and you're realizing, oh my gosh, is there more to life than this? It's like, and I don't have forever. Mm. Like I'm going to die someday too. Yeah. Um, and then you recognize that there was something missing as you were engaging in the church. Was that, was that being um, satisfied that, that, that longing or that? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I became involved in women's cornerstone. You know, I, that, that was a place where I felt, I had these sisters. I have the corn, the Cornerstone right. sisters. First, I was, you know, I took as, as a participant and then I was on the team several times. So this is something I, I see these people to this day. And it's it's a wonderful thing. It's something that you need. You, you need people apart from your, your spouse. Yeah, that's true. Because sometimes we ask a little too much emotionally of our spouses yes. and, and uh, trying to I guess, wrestle with whatever we're dealing with and ex- hoping and expecting them to solve it. That's kind of unfair mm-hmm. and, and and yet not uncommon. And so that's neat. And so, you know, this is transforming you. It's giving you something that that was just beautiful for you. And, and now, of course, because you love Dan, you're trying to share it with Dan. Dan's like, heck no, like you do you, I'll do mm-hmm. me. Was that, how was that impacting the marriage? That's just a disappointment that you needed to wrestle with. Was it like, what does that feel like? Cause that's, again, it's not uncommon, but help me understand what that feels like. Well, I felt a little resentful at times. I felt disappointed and it became heated a few times, uh, mm. but you know, I didn't want to be unfair to him either. So I was really mm. trying to find a right balance because he, he did, you know, eventually go to some of the events. He went to the parish picnic and it wasn't something he just felt very comfortable with it. At the time, although, you know, you might be surprised to hear this at the time, Dan felt, I'm not a social person. I'm not a people person. I mean, and now we we know Dan is someone who is, but at the time he didn't know His work was very scientific, wasn't it? Like it was. Yes. And he didn't know that about himself. He didn't even know of his own need for a community, but. He said, no, no, I, I don't need this. I'm happy where I am. I'm happy without all of this stuff. I don't need all this community. And so leave me alone, basically. And, you know, it's, it's, it was really difficult because I wanted to respect his own space and his own decisions. But yet I felt, well, gee, you know, married couples do go out with friends and it, it's just something you do. And so, um, yeah, it was difficult for me. I did a lot of praying. And mm. at the time, I was working by then for New York Life, where I was for 19 years after mm. Blue Cross Blue Shield. And I was really lucky in that there's a um, little Christian prayer group of ladies who I became involved with. I was the only Catholic. 
-hmm. We met at lunchtime on a regular basis and prayed and talked about challenges we have and our relationships with God. And it was really wonderful to have bring a Catholic perspective to them because at the time they really had a a view of Catholics that wasn't so good, you know, but it it was really nice that I told them about my challenges with Dan basically. And, you know, how I wanted to come to faith and, and, and do more. And, and then at that time I was starting to feel dissatisfied with my job. And I realized I had to make some sort of a change in my life. And they prayed over me and they prayed for Dan, even though of course he didn't know it. And it's just amazing how these, you know, the Baptists and evangelicals, how they can pray off the cuff. It's just so much energy. So it, it, I really think that was powerful intercessor that, that I, I really feel that that helped in so many ways because that just seemed like just a short period of time later that there was such a major shift. Oh my gosh, that's my heart just is exploding with joy as I hear that because I love when the church is united, like when we can mm-hmm. we can stop focusing on the things and not that they're not important, but that divide us and, and, and that we because boy, we can pray together and intercede for each other. I just think that is so beautiful. I think God's heart rejoices when we stop disagreeing and fighting and, and, and can join around the important things and that unity is awesome. So yeah, that's great. What, what a wonderful blessing it is. And I know I found myself in different times and you know, with other very zealous Christians who, who had some experiences or, or teachings around our tradition that were, were less than accurate and and it's so fun when we can unite around prayer, unite around Jesus, and then all of a sudden they can ask some good questions that they've never been able to ask before. And it changes their perspective. It changes their paradigm. And it just opens them up to, oh, wait a minute, maybe Catholics aren't off their rocker. Uh, not that some of us can't be. You can still be crazy and be Catholic. Uh, and, yet, <laughs> and, and, and yet it's just wonderful when we can dispel myths and bring unity. So what a great story that is. And and I'm so glad you had some sisters you could share with and just be real with, because sometimes that that's that can be such a big part of loneliness festering is is when we don't have people that we can be real with, and that's not easy to find sometimes. What surprised me about the corporate world is I would have always thought people didn't want to talk about faith, and that's always been people the way you hear things. It's, it's almost like yeah. it's a taboo subject in the workplace. But I decided to start talking a little bit to other people who weren't part of that group. And it's amazing how much some people seem eager to open up and say, I never knew they went to church. They had a faith. They prayed. I would never have known hadn't I not taken the step. So um, that was that's that was really heartening. Mm. And it was about this time, Ron, too, that I. Um, I joined a Bible study at St. Vincent's, my church. And I was really amazed at how much I didn't know about (laughs) my faith. I was like, wow, I I was just humbled. So I decided I have to remedy that. I I just don't like staying in the same place in my development, as, as you can probably gather. So I decided to look into something 
that a friend recommended from the parish. It was a program through the university, local university, and it was a certificate of Catholic evangelization. Hmm. It was a three-year program with a cohort of students who would go to these same classes, one class a semester, um, at the local evangelical center in my town. Just an amazing opportunity right in my town. And I waited for about a year till the next cohort opened up and I signed up and I started taking courses uh, through there for graduate credit. So I completed that about a year ago and, and now I'm continuing for my master's in pastoral ministry. So I started doing that and, and that really helped me along the way, you know, even before I got this position at Notre Dame, it just, you know, how to evangelize. It, it got me thinking about that way before I joined Notre Dame and became involved and even understood divine renovation about, you know, reaching out to the, um, to those on the outside. Mm. And, and did that, as you began to kind of lean into learn, reflect on the principles of evangelization, how was that impacting your thinking in terms of as a wife and how you're relating to, to Dan, who was, you know, pretty comfortable in his position? Well, it was wonderful because I started telling him you know, about what I was learning and, and he was interested, surprisingly. He was interested in what I was learning and we started having, you know, very good discussions. We'd go on long walks and we would have these theological discussions on our walks. And he, he was surprisingly open to discussing, you know, and asking serious questions, not, you know, hostile questions. He never, you know, and that's one thing I have to say, even though he considered himself an agnostic he never said, you're wasting your time. This is stupid. Or this is, you know, sky God that, that you're worshiping. Don't waste your time. No, there was never any of that. There was always just respect for, you know, what I felt and what I believed. And so I was very grateful for that. And so he, we mm. started having really good discussions. I, and I, I think, you know, I could see glimpses and I continued praying and the ladies at work continued praying. But it, it enabled me to feel like I could better answer questions because before I felt very mm. ill-equipped, yeah. right, to, to really explain because, you know, it's just, I just didn't feel, I mean, I didn't remember a lot from Catholic yeah. school. So this really helped me. Well, in all fairness, I don't remember a lot from my secular school when I was a kid and getting educated. <laughs> so, you know, when religion is a topic or a subject that we learn as kids, we don't really bring a ton of that with us. And so, so that's fair enough. And, and the neat thing with your relationship with Dan, knowing Dan, like Dan would have, would have been coming at faith from his head. Like he's an academic human being, like he's highly academic and so logic and reason, uh, or he was no stranger to those things. And so, you know, probably, Hey, just believe, or you just got to feel it like that wouldn't be helpful. <laughs> right. Exactly. He, w- he would have great questions and he would, they would require answers. And that's what's so beautiful about our faith is the answers are there. And now, now, not all of us, and me included, 
don't necessarily have them, but it's not because they're not there. And if you're willing to put in the time and do the research and study or what have you, like, like you did through your course, you're going to learn a lot of amazing things that will help you engage in very logical, rational conversations. If the other person, and I love that, you know, it's a, it's an important differentiator because sometimes you can be mocked. Like people will mock your faith, Mm. right? They're no more ready. They're not, they don't care, but he respected you. And he was along, he was along for the journey, you know, intellectually engaging you with some good questions. And so that's so, that just makes so much sense. And I think it's just so neat how that unfolded for you guys. I feel very fortunate. I'm not sure if it was around this time. I think maybe it was that we became aware of Bishop Robert Barron too. And I, I love Bishop Barron, because, you know, he's able to um, speak to, you know, from the intellectual side Mm -hmm. and, you know, really explains things very well. So I, you know, recommended, I think it was a friend of mine who took the CCE, the Certificate of Catholic Evangelization, who said, you'd really like Bishop Barron. And so I told Dan about it and we watched them together. And he was just completely, wow, this guy is great because he speaks his language. Yes. So we watched the whole series. We got other series. You know, it's like we were just like groupies then. And, you know, that sort of made him It's like, okay, this makes sense. This guy is very intellectual, yet he explains things well in an engaging manner. So that was another part that. I think helped him to understand and, and, and helped to draw him back. Yeah, that makes sense. And that's the beauty too. There, there are so many tools, there are so many resources. And so if you're a spouse listening to this podcast today and, and not unlike Laura, where, where maybe you have faith, whether you're male or female and your spouse doesn't, I just want you to know that's not uncommon is difficult, but not uncommon, but that there are different resources out there and I think it's helpful to understand the disposition, personality, learning style of your spouse and, and the readiness too. Um, but then, mm. you know, if they are ready, if they are willing to have those types of conversations, I can't imagine there aren't resources that would speak to, to someone's spouse. Hey, would you, would you say that's true? Definitely. Absolutely. Yeah, the, the important thing to do is not nag and mm. not, pressure, you know, always extend the invitation, but nagging, of course, is, is never going to work. So I, I had to balance that out and be respectful. I heard it said that there's a great book. I highly recommend it for all couples out there. Um, Love and Respect is the name of the book. And it says that, that men want respect and women want love. And when men don't get respect, they don't love. When women don't get love, they don't respect. And Mm. it's such a great principle to understand. Like it's for men, not all, but the majority of men, their oxygen hose is respect. It's not love. Now, if they had to choose between love or respect, well, most of them would pick respect. Whereas women, it's the, it's again, not for all of them, but for the majority of them, it's the complete opposite. And, uh, yeah, and so that's neat that you say that. Like, don't nag, respect, and uh, and invite. Like, that's such great advice. It's also important to be patient because, as I learned, things happen on God's time and not on our own personal time. 
<laughs> no matter how much you pray, no, although prayer is, is fundamental to all that, for sure. I know you'd agree with that. You've certainly testified to that. Um, but yeah, that's so true. <laughs> We're not owed anything, right? Exactly. Yeah. Sometimes it's like God has a plan. Definitely. He always has a plan. <laughs> and we just yeah. have to be at peace with that. Yeah. So baby, I love to transition. Share with me as, as Dan, as, I don't know, as, as, as he started to explore things in a way that was opening up his mind and his heart to God and the love of God, like, what was that like for you? Like, walk me through that a little bit. Like, what were some of the key moments in that process for you that you began to realize like, Oh my, something's definitely changing. Well, at the time, um, what was big was getting the job at Notre Dame, Mount Carmel. And when I did at this new parish, I'd switch over to going to church there, got involved in the community. And one of the things that I got involved in was Alpha, since I was a staff member. And I invited Dan to start attending that, you know, to the next fall um, cohort that took place immediately after I was hired in 2019. And he was like, no, I'm not going to do this. What the heck is that? You mean 11 weeks of going to these, going here and sitting there and talking to people at a table? What, why would I want to do this? And I said, come on, honey, you know, this is my job. You know, they really want to see you there. You know, I really, could you just please give it a chance? So he said, okay. And I was very grateful that he did. I was very surprised. He went to church with me too, because Father Patty was like, I have to meet this man. We have to, we have to, you know. And I remember praying with you guys as a team for Dan, like when I, like, cause I remember the team saying in a coaching session, you know, Laura's husband, Dan, you know, he's not necessarily a believer and, and he's going to do alpha. And we were all just so, Hey, that's exciting. I remember praying with you guys for Dan oh. at that moment. Oh, I really Really appreciate your prayers. But it turned out that he just, I was just shocked at how he took to it immediately and, and just opened up to the people at, in his group and, and how loving they were to him and, and, and how he found out almost immediately that he needed that community. And it just softened his heart, I think. And, you know, it, he, as he mentions in his alpha witness talk, he just broke down in tears when he was prayed over, you know, at, at that session, like midway through. So it, it, it just was waiting to happen, I think. And it, it just was the right place, the right time, the, the gentle, loving people who shared his sense of humor and appreciated him and, and you know, just had that sense of welcome. It just that was what he needed at that time. And I'm just so grateful that it happened, but I, I was just floored. I, I just, I never expected it. I, I, I dared to hope that he maybe would go to church, maybe we could pray together at some point, but not to the extent to which it happened like an avalanche. And I was like, wow, is, is this like invasion of body snatchers or something? Is this like, where's my, what have you done to my husband? It's like this five person is here. And it just seemed like, oh my Lord, this is, this is wow. This is more than I expected. I don't know how to react. I'm a little bit taken aback. <laughs> I was very happy, but it was like, oh, this is surreal. After all this time, and now he's like, 
you know, we sell it. Did you know? Blah, 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 blah. It's like, oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> It was wonderful. It really is like, and and this does not happen to everybody by any stretch of the imagination, but every now and again, somebody will have this road to Damascus type of experience where, where there's a 180 degree turn. And that's certainly what happened. That's what I'm hearing you say about Dan. Like Mm -hmm. just, he just, he went all in with like the love of God just washed over him in a way that boy, changed him and and for most people it's more gradual but for every now and again something will happen like dan and it's just such it's just it's just so brings me so much joy um to watch him and joy for you too and and hope and i saw that happen often tell the story about the fellow's name was dick and he was there with his wife pat never went to church she dreamed her whole life of marrying a man that she could raise her family in the church and he'd be there And because her family didn't go to church. She just went as a little girl all by herself, five years old, wow. to go to church by herself. Wow. And she'd see all these families together and she longed for her family, but none of them ever came. She fell in love with this guy named Dick and he showed up for his his wedding and never went back. Maybe his kids baptisms, maybe not. I don't even know, but it was alpha and it was the weekend. In fact, it during the weekend away and he was not a happy participant. He would draw his chair back away from the table. Wouldn't eat with us. Wouldn't say a word. Wouldn't participate in the conversations when it came to the weekend away. I figured he wouldn't go. He showed up, but when it came for the ministry time, like after that third talk, he stood up and walked right out the back door and was gone for the rest of the weekend. Never showed up again. And uh, I thought, oh, what a tragedy. And he showed up the following week, except this time he didn't pull his chair away. And he looked completely different. And he stood up partway through the conversation or the dinner and he said, can I have everybody's attention? I just want you to know this has been the most important thing that's ever happened to me in my life. I went to church for the first time this weekend and I'm going to become Catholic. Wow. The first time in my life that I was, God ever used me to be a part of bringing somebody to faith. And, and, and Pat, I I, I have goosebumps all over my body right now. She just said it was, it was her dream come true. Those years and years of praying ever since she was five, and she was probably 60 by the time that happened. Isn't that crazy? That's, that's amazing. Hmm. And so Alpha has been such a, a marvelous tool, you know, a mindful too, as we're talking, you know, you talked about how big a role Robert Barron played. You talked about mm-hmm. divine renovation and how that really opened up this opportunity. And then you talked about Alpha. Well, I know this podcast will, will probably air after the fact, but Robert Barron, Father James Smallen and Nikki Gumbel are getting together to do a webinar together. And, and I just think, how cool is that? Like, those are three titans. That's Peter, James, and John right there getting together to, to, to continue. God's, I've just believed that God's anointing are on those three men in ways that are just so beautiful and humble. And, and so God is doing great things in our time. And I would say that, boy, he's been doing some crazy beautiful cool things through those three men of faith yeah totally agree wow (laughs) it gives you so much hope it really does one of the things that you said earlier i just wanted to comment on (laughs) you know you said yourself that 
you know, until you came to church, like you didn't know that this community, this, this family of faith, that you needed it so much. And then mm-hmm. I heard you also say, you know, with Dan, at one point when you're invited, I don't need that. Mm-hmm. And then he comes to faith and realizes how much he did need it, but he didn't know it. And I have a good friend of mine. I got to get him on the podcast at some point. His name's Scott LeBlanc. And he had always been, he just really has a, there's a call in his heart for men's ministry. And for years, and one day I just really grilled him. I said, would you stop talking about it? Would you stop thinking about it? Do something about it. Like, stop, just do something. Well, unfortunately for me, part of what he was doing is starting a, a small men's group, like a, um, just four, four of us together. And, and he invited me. I didn't want it. Like that wasn't my need, but I couldn't encourage him to take action and then not say yes to the invitation mm. because, you know, I'm involved in alpha, I'm involved in parish, I'm involved in coaching. I'll say, I don't need that, but I couldn't say no. And so I went and 10 minutes into the conversation with these four other guys, I realized I didn't know I needed that. The level of intimacy and sharing. And it's like, I didn't know what that felt like because I'd never had that before. And so sometimes, you know, our perceived needs aren't as accurate as we might think. And so to be open to try new things is can sometimes lead to a whole new breakthrough and joy and peace and happiness. Eh? Totally agree. Yeah. We, we think we're such an expert on what we want and need. And it's the same way with me. I just thought I was so much of a go-getter, climb the corporate ladder wasn't me at all. So yeah, that's why um, prayer is so important and listening, listening. Please tell me, Lord, what, what is it? you want me to hear. Amen. Laura, I'll tell you, I'm going to get you on again and we're going to talk about your role in faith formation and dealing with kids. I know you just said this <laughs> before we hit the record button that, that you just had uh, some confirmation prep and confirmation was such a big part of your life. That's not easy work. It's, it's tough. And I do want to get you back on so that we can talk about that stuff, but I can't thank you enough for this conversation and, and, and I just want to encourage all of the listeners who may uh, be in a relationship where, where they have faith and their spouse does. Don't give up. Continue to pray. I hope Laura's converse, our conversation today is a blessing to you. Um, I'd say, you know, the, the bookends of this are the very first conversation I had with Dan, Dan and maybe this conversation with Laura. And I just encourage you to listen to them both to be encouraged and, and hopefully we can continue to be an encouragement to, to, to people in that situation. What are your final thoughts as we wrap up, Laura, in terms of what you'd want to say to a spouse who maybe in the same situation? Never lose hope and always pray. Keep praying and, and just know that God is working behind the scenes and you He's with you. God is with you and understands your pain. And, you know, he's, everyone's on a different faith journey and patience is needed with, with your spouse. Mm-hmm. Amen. He or she will be there. We'll get there. It's, you know, everyone's got a different road. 
Everyone has a different road and your role. And I remember Dan saying like, you were so patient, you were so respectful, but you did keep inviting, you didn't give up. And sometimes that can be the opposite reaction is sometimes nagging can be one extreme, but also never asking again and giving up hope is the other. And I think your wise advice is right there in that middle, right in that sweet spot. And so thank you again for, for being our guest today and God bless you and your marriage and the work that you continue to do. Thank you so much, Ron. It was wonderful. It was great fun. I appreciate the opportunity. What a great ending to Dan and Laura's story. There are all kinds of Laura's in your parish. In fact, there are often many men whose wives are also not engaged. We as leaders can make a difference. Let's go out of our way to connect with the one that is less engaged. And Alpha can be such an amazing entry point for these folks. Thank you for all that you do for families. The Church Done Well is a place where lives are transformed and people are made great. If we can help you, please reach out at ronhuntley.com. Have an impactful day. I want to encourage you, as you lead this week, be faithful to God and generous to others. See you next time, and remember... If you're still breathing, you are powered for impact.